Welcome to Global Chit Chat, the podcast that helps you navigate the global employee benefits landscape. My name is Francis, your host for today. And in this episode, we talk about multinational pooling. And I'm Alex, today's fun fact checker. And together, we will take you on a benefits journey around the world. So let's get started. We are lucky to have Michael van der Breggen with us today. Michael is with Aeon's Global Benefits Practice and based in the Netherlands. Michael has been working in industry for 20 years and leads everything around multinational pooling. So I'd say he's the right man for today's job. Thanks for being here today, Michael. Thanks, Francis. I'm glad to be here. So as you know, Michael, we always start our podcast with some fun facts about the topic. So Alex has been busy looking for fun facts related to multinational pooling. Alex, what do you have for us? Thanks, Francis. I have to admit that fun facts about multinational pooling was a bit of a challenge and I needed to pool some resources. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, let's get started. Multinational pooling can be traced back as far as the 1960s. Ford was one of the first multinationals to want to pool employee benefits plans for multiple countries and collaborated to help found one of the pooling partners that clients still work with today, IGP. And speaking of pooling partners, there are seven pooling networks in the global market today, Alliance, Generali, IGP, Insurup, Maxis, Swiss Life, and Zurich. Now, one may ask, what would be the minimum number of employees required to participate in multinational pooling? Actually, it's good to clarify this point because the other day a client was asking me this very question. Well, there's no real minimum. Certain solutions do have some premium requirements, but there are multi-employer solutions available for even the smallest groups. And what type of returns do you think employers can expect from a multinational pool? Well, we regularly see returns in the range of 7% to 12% of pooled premiums, so not pooling would result in these dividends simply remaining overpayments, never recouped. Thank you, Alex. Not necessarily fun, but certainly facts. This reminds me about a client I have been working with for years. But national pooling is front and center, and two years ago, the pool returned about 20% of premium. So, Michael, the first question to get warmed up. What exactly is multinational pooling? Well, Francis, multinational pooling is a global financing solution used by multinational companies. It's a method to optimize the purchasing of employee benefits insurances, such as life insurance or medical insurance. Other methods are captive and global underwriting programs. The best way to describe multinational pooling is to see it as a global profit sharing arrangement. What is a profit sharing arrangement? Well, a client pays a premium to an insurance company. In case of a covered event, uh, like a death or a medical expenses, the insurance company pays out the benefit or the reimbursement or reimburses the claim. Uh, in a profit sharing arrangement, the insurer will refund a portion of the premium to the policyholder if the policy performed good enough, meaning if the ratio of claims over premium is below a certain level, for example, 50%, you get part of the premium back. How does such profit sharing link to multinational pooling? A multinational company offers benefits such as life and medical insurances to its employees. In every country where it offers such benefits, the local subsidiaries buys insurance policies from an insurer in that country. 
For multinational pooling to work, in each country, the subsidiary needs to work with the insurer that's part of a particular network. It needs to place its life, medical or other employee benefits insurances with the insurer belonging to the selected network or networks. You've mentioned network several times. What do you mean? These are networks of insurance companies. Alex mentioned at the beginning that there are currently seven multinational pooling networks in alphabetical order Allianz, Generali, IGP, Insurup, Maxis, Swiss Life and Zurich. Each network works with insurance companies in around 100 countries or even more. In general, a network will work with one insurance company per country. Okay. At the beginning, you said that pooling is a method to optimize the financing of benefits. I assume you mean to save costs. How so? Yes, obviously. Once a year, the network will prepare a report with an aggregate profit and loss account. For each policy, it shows the premium and any interest or investment income on those premiums. On the debit side, it shows the claims paid or claims reserved, taxes, broker fee, insurance admin fees and other expenses. Policies in countries that performed well because claims were low will be offset by countries where the policy performed negatively due to high claims. If the balance is positive, then the network refunds the balance or a portion of it to the client's headquarter. This is called the pooling dividend. So what to do with the profit received on a global level? Yes, this is the right question. Even though it sounds strange when we ask what to do with money, right? Dividends are the result of a pooling arrangement between an insurance network and a company's parent office. As such, it is payable to the parent company and they can use it any way they see it fit. For example, they can use it to fund HR projects such as well-being projects or risk mitigating activities. This might be helpful for future results. Refund to the local entities based on relative performance or contribution to the profit or a combination of both, allowing for both a local incentive to participate and a bit of additional global funding. Most networks are only able to make one single payment to the corporate entity. However, certain networks still accommodate multiple payments to subsidiaries based on instructions provided by the corporate entity. And Michael, what happens if this pool report shows a negative balance? There are ways to protect the pool against losses. Depending on the method chosen by the company, the network will either absorb or write off the loss or carry it forward, in which case it will offset any future profits. Most of the time, this carry forward is for the limited number of years, let's say three, and any residual loss will be written off by the network. This way, you will keep pooling interesting for the long run, but in any case, the company will never be asked to pay for the deficits. There is no cost to having a pooling arrangement. Now, this is interesting. There is no cost. Alex mentioned before that the smooth national pooling dividend generally ranges from 7 to 12% of pooled premium. Our listeners will be paying attention now. Certainly, those that listen to our podcast while they are running, for example. What's the catch, Michael? Why would companies not use multinational pooling? Again, a good question. If we ignore companies that use other solutions like captives that you discussed with Danny during an earlier episode or global underwriting and ignore companies that are too small and don't meet the requirements, I believe there are only two groups of companies, those that have a pool and those that don't have a pool yet, because there are really no drawbacks to pooling. It does not cost anything and it requires little effort or attention. 
To maximize the effectiveness, at country level, it may require to change insurer, which needs to be managed. But that would be part of regular course of business because from time to time, you would change provider if, say, the cost is better. What are other advantages of multinational pooling other than the dividends? There are several advantages, primarily for the local subsidiary. Through the global relationship and on behalf of the local subsidiary, a company might be able to negotiate lower rates. A company can obtain better terms, example around free cover limits, the sum that would be insured without the employee having to go through medical underwriting or coverage of pre-existing conditions. Sometimes local insurance won't have risk appetite for relatively small groups. Now, when this would be part of a pool, then the insurer might be willing to provide coverage. To some extent, you might be able to obtain some flexibility in design, for example, providing coverage for something that's otherwise not available on the purely local market. And let's not forget the data you get for all of your plans, data that can help you understand your employee benefits spent and the risk in the countries you operate in. Very valuable information you don't easily get from the local insurer, even if it tends to be between 6 and 12 months old. Okay, we now understand what multinational pooling is and what the advantages are. What are the requirements for multinational pooling? The minimum requirements vary from network to network, but in general, the minimum size is around three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in pooled premium. Some networks have a business strategy focusing on larger clients, and their pools start at one million dollars and higher. You further need to have at least two countries in the pool. It's multinational pooling, right? Some networks also have a minimum size for policies in a country, say $10,000 of premium per country. And if a client does not meet those criteria at the moment, certain networks have small group solutions where the experience is somewhat shared across smaller companies. Good thing about this solution is that at the end of the year, any deficits are written off by the network. Okay, say you convinced me and I want to do this, whatever that is. How do I start? It can be very simple and straightforward. Say your insurances in several countries are with insurers belonging to Network X. Then you ask that network to start a pool. This is sometimes referred to as a natural pool. If I don't want simple and straightforward, what is the alternative? Several criteria can be considered when selecting the right network. The first one is existing business. This can be in terms of premium volume and number of countries. The pooling capabilities of the network and how the global footprint matches your own footprint is also very important. This means, can the network offer benefits in all countries in which I operate and include them into the pool? What is the quality of the insurers in the network is another important topic. Are they in the top three or not? And how easy is it to switch insurers? In certain countries, changing insurer is not a straightforward thing. It could have negative impact on employees or other benefits. And finally, with which network will the pooling dividend be the largest? This indeed sounds more complicated. Do you have to pick only one network or can I select multiple? 
Anything is possible and the best answer will depend on your priorities as a company. There are pros and cons for each strategy. On the one end, only having one pool. On the other end, having pools with each of the seven networks. But experience teaches us that for smaller companies, one pool is enough. For bigger companies, don't do more than three pools. If you have too many pools, you will lose that all important volume per pool that you need to be able to absorb the risk. It's a bit of a balance between the degree of central decision making and the volume of premium needed to generate the dividend. Let's continue this journey. A company has selected the networks to work with. What happens next? But let me describe that on a high level. There will be a pooling agreement with each network. They all have in common that they describe the requirements for a pool, how to add or remove a benefit from the pool, how dividend is determined and when it's payable. The pooling agreement also specifies the pooling system and how losses are treated. Annual stop loss on the one end, unlimited loss carry forward on the other end, and various combinations in between, such as a three-year stop loss carry forward, potentially capped at a certain dollar amount. Last question. Assuming the pools have been in place for a while and it's business as usual, what are things that companies should look out for? A first aspect is to actively manage the pools. With this, we mean to review the pool composition and to remove contracts from the pools if, for example, they have consistently generated a deficit. This will maximize the pooling dividend. Besides this, the world is constantly changing, both internal and external to the company. An example of an external change, although networks tend to work with the same insurer for a very long time, companies can be sold or purchased, which can affect the network affiliation. An internal change can be a merger or an acquisition. Say you work with network A and B, and the company merges or acquires a company, but it has a pool with network C. Besides integration at the local level, which insurer will we use moving forward, the company also has to decide whether to consolidate networks or continue with all of them. All this was truly fascinating. I'm sure listeners learned a lot from our discussion. Michael, I'd like to thank you very much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Francis and Alex. It's been my pleasure. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and please leave a review and share your thoughts on what you would like us to cover next. 